again, let me extend a welcome to all of you who have joined us in person. A welcome today as well to those of you who are joining us online. Good to have you a part of all that is happening at Pathway, our online family. Or maybe you're traveling, you're away, maybe you're in another country listening in. We know that that's happening too. And so welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you on our Moon Campus and uh, those in the classic venue. Just good to have a time together. Before we get into the message today, I want to share with you what's coming up starting next weekend because we're kicking off a brand new sermon series that we're calling, What's the Point? What's the Point? And it is going to be a study in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a fascinating book, especially given the, the nature of the world that we live in today. And it asks some very, very important questions, or it leads us into some very important questions and, and wonders, things like, what, what's the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. It's like, is God out there? You know, where am I going? How do I find my own purpose? What's the deal with suffering? Why is there suffering and and challenges that we experience in our world, which seems so very up to date for what we are just experiencing all around us? And and we need nothing more than the reminder of what we remember on this weekend, the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Mm -hmm. And we recognize we live in a fallen world. And if you have questions that ever surface in your mind about where are we headed? What's, all, what, what's the meaning of all of this? <laughs> then you're definitely not alone. And this series is going to assist us as we move along in that. Inside your Pathway Notes, you can see this flyer. It is announcing this new series. But this isn't for you because you already know that there's going to be a new series kicking off next weekend. And you'll be back with us for that. This is for you to give out to somebody else, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, Certainly you know somebody who has some of these questions floating around in their minds. What's this all about? Why are things the nature of the way that they are in our world today? And how do we navigate our way forward? These are important questions that we're going to be asking. So please use that as an invitation to hand out to somebody else. That starts next weekend. I'm also super excited about what's happening this weekend because today we are welcoming with us here at Pathway a guest speaker. His name is Reverend Dr. Brian Kroll, and uh, he is with us today from Second Baptist Church in Rochester. That's where he is the pastor. He's been pastor there for the last few years. Before that, he was serving as pastor in Leedsdale, and concurrent with all of that, he's been serving as director of ministries at uh, Tiger Paws. And sort of concurrent with that and before that, he did 26 years recently, not all that recently, retired from uh, the Air Force after 26 years, Master Sergeant, and uh, served very honorably there. And uh, so you've been a busy guy is what's been (laughs) happening, um, to be sure. And uh, it's been my privilege to get to know Brian through some things that we're involved in together, just through opportunities we've had with one another. We are part together of a group called Undivided in Christ, which is working to bring churches and communities together. And uh, we're seeing some awesome things happen there. And it's just been a privilege to serve along with him. We participated together. Come on up, brother. (laughs) Um, We participated together with Second Baptist as we did our Love Where You Live series. You might remember that we gathered some food and we were trying to to partner together with them as they reached into their community. 
uh, with a food pantry, and uh, they've got a very similar theme that they've been in here uh, this year as they're thinking about doing good in the neighborhood and, and some awesome stuff going on there. He can fill you in on that to be sure. He is married. Perhaps the most important thing is that he is married to his wife, April. Yes. And uh, they have three grown children. He's got two grandchildren. Wow. One other important thing for you to know as he comes up here is he's from Cleveland. You're not going to let him talk? <laughs> but he's a Steelers fan. All right, so now you're welcome at Pathway, brother. It is so good to have you here. Um, it's a blessing just to know you and to have you here. Can I pray for you before you Amen. get started Amen. here? Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this time together in your word. We are so thankful for the word that you have for us, that you have given to Pastor Brian, and that he is going to impart to us. Lord, I just pray that we would have open hearts and open minds to receive what your spirit has for us. Lord, we do pray your anointing on him as he speaks, that uh, he would speak your word to us, that it would be filled with your spirit. We anticipate great things from you today, and uh, we pray toward that end. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I just want to start out by saying I greet you all in the name above all names. Amen. The name of Jesus Christ, the name that binds us all together as one body in Christ. Amen. 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 Uh, you know, I want to thank uh, Pastor Jeff. Uh, we've got to know each other in the leadership here at uh, Pathway for inviting me. Uh, knowing, knowing full well that this was going to be a different experience for you and an intimidating one for me. You see, I'm just a country boy preacher from Rochester, and uh, this, this, this uh, edifice is just ginormous. Is there such a word as ginormous? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, I just got a little church uh, on the corner of Clay and Irvin Street, and then I come here and, this, and see this big edifice. And I'm going to tell you, it's a bit intimidating. And I was a bit nervous and was anxious and uh, but the Lord just on last night said my word is my word no matter how different the delivery amen but I need some help from you this evening amen can we just turn this to the pathway Baptist church for 30 minutes <laughs> all right all right pathway Baptist so there might be some times during the message that I say can I get the church to say amen Amen. All right. We're starting off on the right foot. <laughs> Pathway Baptist got a nice little ring to it, though, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> I just want to give you some background on uh, uh, what I'm going to be speaking on tonight, which is the book of Nehemiah. And I'll be in the first probably four chapters. I'll bounce around just a little bit. But we understand that Jerusalem is under foreign occupation. And that sound, should sound familiar because we are reminded that uh, during Jesus' time, uh, Rome, uh, Jerusalem was occupied by Rome. And so we have a foreign occupier there in Jerusalem. And King Cyrus of Persia in the book of Ezra, just before the book of Nehemiah, he let some, a remnant of Jews go and rebuild the temple. And so word must have got back to Nehemiah, who's all the way in Susa, a thousand miles east of Jerusalem, and he must have thought that the people were doing well. But when he hears of the condition of his people, that was, it was not as he expected. Chapter 1 says he wept, mourned, fasted, repented, and prayed. 
And after which he gets a God-ordained mission to rebuild the walls and gates around the entire city of Jerusalem. But you see, just like I enlisted you this evening for your help, he must enlist the help of the Jews that are there in Jerusalem. And so he takes the leaders of the Jewish uh, nation out and just he stands them right before the walls. And that's where we pick up on this evening. Nehemiah 2, 17 in the, and 18 in the New Living Translation reads as such, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed with fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall so they began the good work. Pathway Baptist Church, I'm asking for your prayers this day as I speak from this subject, the good work of rebuilding. The good work of rebuilding. And now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Turn to your neighbor and just say, the good work of rebuilding. Amen. Amen. The good work of rebuilding. And now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you that the book of Nehemiah is one of my personal favorites in all of the scriptures. I say that because I believe there's so much that we could glean from this book that's applicable to some of our current conditions as the unified and universal body of Christ. I also believe that just as we examine uh, Jerusalem's condition when the tore down walls and burned down gates around the entire city, we may also metaphorically examine some tore down walls and burned down gates as our condition as New Testament believers. In our text, we examine that the Jews in the city saw the condition of their walls and gates every day, and yet Though they knew that this was not the way that things were supposed to be, they got used to it. They got apathetic and they let the abnormal, this abnormal condition, be their normal. Brothers and sisters, in many ways, the New Testament church sees some conditions. And while we know this is not the way it's supposed to be, but you see, we too have let it become our normal. But when we look at our text, we see that Nehemiah brings some fresh eyes to the Jews' condition. Nehemiah brings a godly perspective to the condition. Nehemiah stands his people in front of the burned-down walls and gates of the city and says, you know very well the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed with fire. And I say to us this evening, if we know very well the trouble we are in, it is my hope that we glean much from these passages today. That we too examine our current condition and acknowledge that there are some tore down walls and burned down gates. And this is not the way that it's supposed to be. And that we too understand the need for the good work of rebuilding. Oh, but first, you see, we've got, if we want to truly build, we first must acknowledge our condition and then commit ourselves to the rebuilding. 
If we want to rebuild, we must understand our biblical unity in this good work. And if we truly want to build, then we must understand our condition and let us unify around the work. Let us respond just the way as Nehemiah's people responded. Yes, let us rebuild the wall. And so let us commit to the work. Let us unify around the work and let us live out the words in our text. So they began the good work. My brothers and my sisters, I'm here to challenge us all this day with the good work of rebuilding. Now, I will tell you that I don't want to paint a pessimistic picture of the current work. I know that there's a lot of churches and a lot of people that are doing a good work. But as we take this opportunity to look at our current condition, we must be honest with ourselves and say that there's some torn down walls and some burned down gates and see this as an opportunity to do more and be more as the body of Christ. And so I say this evening, let us carpe diem. Let us seize the day. This is an opportunity for us as the body of Christ to unify together and do some rebuilding. I'll let the church say amen. All right, Pathway Baptist, this is the point where I say I'm going to make my three points. A good preacher told me, say, you make your three points and then you take your seat. <laughs> I'm going to make my three points and I'm going to take my seat. Point number one, let us commit ourselves to the good work of rebuilding. Brothers and sisters, I believe one of the most noticeable traits or attributes of Nehemiah is that he can committed himself to the good work of rebuilding. We examine this in chapter 2 as he leaves the comforts of the king's palace in Susa to go and rebuild in his ancestral home in Jerusalem. We examine that he's willing to travel a thousand miles to, a get, to get to a place that he had only heard about. Now, I, I want to say committed, and there's a reason why I say committed, because we need to think about this in ancient terms. We're talking about an ancient thousand miles. We're talking planes, trains, and automobiles. We're talking about donkeys. If there ever was an illustration of commitment, I believe that there is one right there. In this, we see Nehemiah's commitment to God and mission by him truly living out the Old and New Testament command to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your strength. In other words, once we have been commanded to a God-given work, if we truly love God like we say we love God, then we are to commit ourselves to it. For Nehemiah, he was given the work of rebuilding the walls and gates of Jerusalem. And for us as New Testament believers, we have been given the work of building for the kingdom of Christ. Matthew 28, 19 tells us to go ye therefore and teach all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, my friends, I say to you that we need to commit ourselves to the God-given work of building for the kingdom of Christ. Now, I believe the key to building for the New Testament church is the same commitment that we examine in Nehemiah. I say committed because I believe Nehemiah could have been involved in the work from all the way back in Susa. 
I mean, he had resources. He's on the king's court. I'm sure he could have sent those resources to Jerusalem. He could have said, I'm praying for you all the way from his lofty position in the king's court. But you see, in Nehemiah going, he provides us an example of our command to go. Go ye therefore, which we find in Matthew 28. See, Nehemiah gives us a look at involvement versus commitment. And I would tell you that the two are very, very different. They're as different as those bacon and eggs that we love so well in the morning. Commitment versus involvement is just like the chicken. See, he's involved in the meal, but the pig, he's committed to it. Some of y'all going to get that one on the way home. <laughs> now, I think we have firmly established Nehemiah's commitment, but as we further examine the text, we need to see him lead others in a way that they too would commit to the work. And so in Nehemiah chapter 3, when Nehemiah assigns areas where the people would start to rebuild, he assigns the area closest to their home to ensure that the people would have a personal stake in the rebuilding. And so when we talk about being committed to the good work of building and rebuilding, I believe that we must make it personal. Making it personal is more than just casting a ballot or sending a donation or merely talking about the issues amongst people that are like-minded. No, my friends, making it personal means that we get our hands dirty. I don't know about you, but my Bible says that faith without works is what? Faith without works is dead. Personal commitment, my brothers and sisters, is commanded of every believer of Jesus Christ because we have been commanded and equipped to be kingdom builders. Kingdom builders, because our command to teach and baptize the world doesn't say, stay ye therefore, it says go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. You see, in Nehemiah, we see a model of commitment because he's willing to go to Jerusalem. But I will tell you that if we ever need an example of commitment and going, all we need to do is to look to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he committed himself to saving this lost and sinful world by leaving his home in glory, taking off flesh and blood and going and dwelling among us. And so in this time where we see tore down walls and burned down gates, I ask this evening, who will commit themselves to the good work of building and rebuilding. Brothers and sisters, though this work may seem impossible, let us commit ourselves because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Though the work may seem overwhelming, let us commit ourselves because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Though the work may seem exhausting, let us commit ourselves because he that has created a what? A good work in us will see it through until completion. Somebody need to say amen. 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 Because we have Jesus Christ, we can do a good work. Now, I believe that this is the point where we get a reality check, if you will. I say that because just like in our text, we can say yes to the work, we can commit ourselves to the work. But you see, that doesn't mean that opposition won't rise to try and stop our good work. 
In our text, I would tell you that they had opposition, and we better know that we too will have opposition. It comes in the form of an enemy that says, that, the Bible says that comes to do nothing more than to steal and to kill and destroy. And so that brings us to our second point. Let us unify to accomplish the work. I'm revealing some of my favorite passages in my favorite books. And one of my favorite passages is Psalm 133. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And certainly we can examine that kind of unity in Nehemiah and his people. And I would tell you that they needed that kind of unity because once they committed themselves to the work, here comes our enemy Satan working through the local leaders using lies and ridicule and threats to discourage Nehemiah and the people's work of rebuilding. We may examine the lies right after our text in verse 19 when they tried to say that Nehemiah and his people were rising up against the king. We examine ridicule in chapter 4 when the Bible says that the local leaders mocked the Jews. In fact, one of them says that even if a fox was to walk on the top of the wall, it would crumble. And finally, we examine threats in the same chapter as local opposition plans to attack Nehemiah and the builders. In church, these enemies, these efforts by the enemies of the work are to disrupt and destroy the unity that Nehemiah was able to establish there with the builders. And church, we better know that one of the best and most effective strategies of our enemy Satan is to disrupt and destroy our unity. But first, let us firmly establish our biblical unity as the body of Christ. We already talked about one of my favorite passages, which is Psalm 133, but let us examine uh, John 17, 21. It says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. This is Jesus talking. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. And if we further examine Ephesians 4 and 1, it says, For there is one body and one spirit, just have you been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. What these passages do is firmly establish our true biblical unity as one body in Christ. That unity means that it's defined, our unity is defined through the lens of Scripture. I say that because unity in the secular world takes on a different definition, connotation, and application. But you see, we as the body of Christ, we must be very careful that we define our unity through Scripture. Brothers and sisters, if at any moment we want to be honest with ourselves, we must admit that we don't look like Nehemiah and his people's unity because we don't look like biblical unity. I might not get an amen on that one because that steps on all our toes and we just might as well just say, ouch, ouch. Church, if our true desire is to rebuild, 
then we as the body of Christ must understand and apply our unity and therefore our rebuilding through the lens of Scripture. In our text, the Jews in Jerusalem have been looking at the walls and the gates uh, from a cultural lens, and then they accepted that condition. But you see, it took Nehemiah to come with a fresh set of eyes to define the problem from a kingdom perspective. Right now, our culture says that you either need to be on the right or the left. But if you're a Christian, the lens of the gospel says there is no right or a left, for we all are one through Christ Jesus. We must see our unity through the lens of Scripture and be challenged to bring fresh eyes to social, cultural, and community conditions if we ever want to build for the kingdom of Christ. I say to you that we can't let Satan divide us when we view issues that currently divide the body of Christ, especially as they pertain to moral rebuilding. The Jews in Jerusalem had drew, viewed their situation from the eyes of the lens of cultural normality, and they did nothing to rebuild even though they knew that that was not the way it was supposed to be. But you see, it was Nehemiah that directed their focus to their God-ordained mission to rebuild. And some of us need reminded me included not only of the work that we've been tasked to do, but who it is that's our taskmaster. Our great commission, not only does the Lord say, task us with the work of rebuilding, but he says that he will be with us always. And so on this day, let us know that our unity already exists. It's already ours, but let us know that there's an enemy that wants to come and do nothing more than to steal kill and destroy our biblical unity. Let us know that unity is ours and therefore rebuilding is ours because behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Let us know that rebuilding is ours if, because Christ says that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He's all we need to do the rebuilding. Let us know that rebuilding is ours because we are one body with one spirit, with one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is in all and living through us all. Amen. This is the point where I just go ahead and just ask for an amen. Church, can I get an amen? Amen. That was a kind of enthusiastic amen. Amen. I like that. Pathway Baptist. You got about 10 minutes left, though. <laughs> well, my brothers and sisters, now that we have committed ourselves to the work, and we know that we have unity in the work, I would like to quote this great 21st century philosopher, my Uncle Rufus, <laughs> who said, don't just talk about it, be about it. And so that brings us to our third point. Let us go and do a good work. In our text, we see first that they committed themselves to the work in verse 18. It says, let us rebuild the wall. But then right after it, it says, so they began the good work. Now, I want to focus on that word began. 
And I want to focus on it because of what it does not say. It does not say that they completed the work. It only says that they began the good work. We see this in our text, and I will tell you this is another uh, one of my personal uh, favorites, and I think I, I skipped something here. I went two pages way ahead now. <laughs> I will tell you, church, that I'm giving homework today. I want you to, to read the entirety, especially the first four chapters of the book of Nehemiah. And I'll tell you why I'm giving that homework, because if we want to commit ourselves to the good work of building and rebuilding as the body of Christ, I would tell you that we get a clear picture and a clear view of what we will encounter through the book of Nehemiah, and we can contrast and compare it to our efforts to rebuild. In the first few chapters of Nehemiah, we examine a God-given task to rebuild the walls and gates of Jerusalem. We as New Testament believers have been given the great commission to go ye therefore and teach all nations. In Nehemiah, we see opposition to the work. We as New Testament believers see an enemy using local problems, national and world conflicts as a means of our division. In Nehemiah, we see threats through local officials. We as New Testament believers see threats where we can't even preach Jesus in our schools and where prayer has been completely eliminated. And while I could go on and on about the similarities, the similarities that we have to the book of Nehemiah, I think that we must acknowledge the common denominator in each situation. You see, the common denominator between us and the people of Nehemiah's day is Satan and sin. In other words, Satan working through the sin of mankind. And so it doesn't matter if it's B.C. before Christ or A.D. after Christ. We will always have people trying to tear down the walls of our unity and burn down the gates of our work to preach Jesus. But through it all, we must, my brothers and sisters, stay the course and complete the work of building for the kingdom of Christ. I will tell you that once again, we see this in our text, and this is another one of my personal favorites in all of Scripture. In Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, when the local leaders try to discourage and threaten the builders, verse 6 says this, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its heights. Don't miss this part. For the people had a mind to work. For the people had a mind to work. At this point, I guess I'm going to plug something that uh, Pastor Jeff brought up, and that is uh, uh, our efforts to build and rebuild through an organization called Beaver County Undivided. If you're not familiar with this effort, I would tell you these are local Christian leaders and churches that have committed themselves to the good work of building unity in the body of Christ. Now, I got to tell you, uh, and I have to admit that when this organization first started, when we first started meeting, I was a little skeptical. I'm skeptical because I've seen these things start, these kind of organizations start in the past uh, where it says we, can, we, we agree to the work, but we don't complete the work. Mm -hmm. But through the personal commitment of believers, and through our living out our biblical unity in Christ, this group is growing strong and looking forward to continuing the building in the future. I'm here today as a result of Beaver County Undivided. More importantly, though, what I would like to put out is that the work is continuing. 
despite our current political and social climate of division. The work is continuing despite the long and hard-suffering work of racial healing and despite our complicated racial history. The work is continuing though some have fallen away. The work is continuing despite our opposition, despite the hard task at hand, despite ignorance and despite our divided past, despite social and economic differences, and despite all things that have the possibility to separate us because the people had a mind to work. Brothers and sisters, I'm almost done. But if you know that we've been given a task to build the kingdom of Christ, if we know that we've been given the unity to build the kingdom, then let us on this day in this edifice among our brothers and sisters in Christ commit ourselves to the good work of rebuilding. Yes, I know the world is a divided mess. Yes, I know we don't look unified. Yes, I know the task seems impossible. Yes, I know we don't agree on politics. Yes, I know we not from the same culture. Yes, I know we don't come from the same neighborhood. But let me tell you something else I know. I know that we all suffer from the same sickness of sin because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And let me tell you something else I know. I know that the, we all need the same cure for the sickness of sin, and that cure is Jesus, who is the Christ. Because Jesus completed the good work of our salvation through our shared faith and the indwelling of the Spirit of God. We can do the good work of building the kingdom of Christ. We can do the good work because our Lord and Savior saw a good work from heaven and he left his home and glory and dwelled among us. And because one day on an old rugged cross he completed the work, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. Because Jesus Christ said that he'd never leave us nor forsake us, we can do the good work of rebuilding. Because through Christ we are more than conquerors, we can and we must do the good work of rebuilding. Because he that has created a good work in us will see it through to completion. We can and we must do the good work of rebuilding because my brothers and my sisters we see a world and a nation and a community that's in need of work let us this day through Jesus Christ commit and accomplish and continue the good work of rebuilding somebody needs to say amen this day Somebody needs to commit themselves to the good work of rebuilding. Somebody needs to stand with their brothers and sisters in Christ and unify and let us do the good work of rebuilding. Will you come alongside of me this day and all of your brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what color they are, no matter what neighborhood they come from, and commit yourselves to the good work of rebuilding. I see some torn down walls and some burned down gates. We need the body of Christ to commit to the good work of rebuilding. God bless you this day. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we are reminded that Nehemiah 
and his people because they committed themselves, because they unified, because they had a mind to work. They completed the walls around the entire city of Jerusalem in just 52 days. Let us realize our community and commit ourselves to the good work of building for your kingdom. Let us live out the words contained in Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let us realize that we are one body with one spirit and one hope and one Lord, one faith, one baptism and one God. Let us commit ourselves to be kingdom builders. Amen. Thank you again for choosing to be with us today. We pray that you can apply the lessons from today's message, no matter what you might be experiencing right now. We look forward to seeing you again soon on campus or online. Have a wonderful week, everyone.